on a mountainside by a little lion cabin in the crisp, clean dusk of evening, stubby Pringle swings in the saddle. Bundled thick against cold, double socks, crowd-scarred boots, leather chaps cover patched corduroy pants, and fleece-lined jacket with wear of winters on it, bulges body and heavy gloves, blunt fingers. Two red bandanas folded together, flattened throat under chin. Battered hat is pulled down to sit on ears. He is Stubby Pringle. Cowhand of the Triple X, and this is his night to howl. He is Stubby Pringle, son of the wild jackass. And he is headed for the Christmas dance at the schoolhouse in the valley. Stubby Pringle slips gloved hand under rump to wipe frost off saddle. He slaps right side saddlebag. It contains a burlap bag wrapped around a, a two-pound box of candy. Fancy chocolates with jelly insides. He acquired it two months ago and kept it carefully hidden from old Jake. He slaps left side saddlebag. It holds a burlap bag wrapped around a paper parcel and contains a close folded piece of dress goods and a roll of pink ribbon. Interesting items, yes. They are ammunition for the campaign. The campaign he has in mind to soften the affections of whichever female of the right vintage among those at the schoolhouse appeals to him most, or at least seems susceptible. <laughs> Stubby Prangle. He settles himself in firmly into the saddle. He is just another of the far-scattered, poorly-paid, patch-closed cowhands that inhabit these parts. All of that and nothing more. And likely, the marks of his and the smells of his calling have not all been scrubbed away. And he knows that. He is stubby Pringle. True begotten son of the wildest jackass. And this is his night to howl. This is his night to stomp floorboards until schoolhouse shakes. And to whirl a willing female until she is dizzy enough to see past the patched clothes. And see the man inside. I could have ate them chocolates, says old Jake Hanlon from the cabin doorway. They wasn't hidden very good. Not good at all. And be beat like a drum, says Stubby. By who, says old Jake. By a youngin' like you, why you're a dang bladded fool. Riding out on a night like this, even if it is Christmas Eve. But I guess even if I was your age again, I reckon I'd be doing it too. He cackles like an old rooster. Squeeze one of them for me, he says. And he steps back inside and closes the cabin door. Stubby Pringle lifts reins and slaps spurs. 
27 miles of snow dump distance ahead of him. Stubby Pringle spurs a jingle, jogs up slope through crusted snow. His roan, now warm through, is strong and steady under him. He is Stubby Pringle, rootin' tootin', hard-working, hard-playing cowhand of the Triple X. And he's on his way to the Christmas dance at the schoolhouse in the valley. He tops one of the lower ridges and pulls rain to give the roan a breather. And reaches up and brushes icicle off nose and stands tall in saddle. Far, far ahead over top of last and lowest ridge, he can see shiny specks of glowing allure that are schoolhouse windows. Lights and gaiety, good liquor and and skirts are fluttering. Wild stubby yells, g- g- gals and, and, and women and grandmas raise your skirts and start a stepping because stubby's coming. He slaps spurs to Roan, and Roan leaps like a mountain lion into full gallop. Rushing reckless through crusted drifts of snow with ice-covered branches slapping at them. He is Stubby Pringle, born with spurs on, nursed with, with tarantula juice, and weaned on rawhide. At home in the saddle of a hurricane in the shape of a horse that can race to the outer edges of eternity and back. On his way to hijinks, two months overdue. He is ten feet tall, and horses gigantic with wings, iron boned, dynamite fueled, and soaring in forty foot leaps down the flank of a snow whitened winter world. They slow at the bottom. They stop. They look up that last low rise ahead. Rome paws at frozen ground and snorts twin plumes of frosted vapor. Stubby, he reaches round, he pats left side saddlebag. He pats right side saddlebag. He lifts reins to soar over that last low ridge top that hides schoolhouse and valley. Hold it, Stubby. Hold it. What's that? He listens. Why, he has ears that can hear snitch of field mouse chewing on bacon right on the other side of log log wall by his bunk. Why, he hears sound of axe striking wood. What kind of dong-bonging, ding-busted, dang-bladded fool is out chopping wood on a night like this? And this being Christmas Eve. When there's a a dance going on at the schoolhouse in the valley. And what kind of chopping is this anyway? Uneven in rhythm and feeble in stroke. Why, trust Stubby Pringle who's chopped enough wood for wood stove and fireplace to fill a long freight train to know how an axe ought to be handled. There, that does it. That whopping sound can only mean that the blade has come in at such an angle as to bounce off without biting. Some dong-monging, ding-busted, dang-bladed fool is getting ready to chop off some of their own toes. 
He swings the roan around to the right. He is a stubby Pringle. Born to the tune of bawling bulls and blatting calves. Branded at birth. Cowman raised it, cowman to the marrow. And no true cowman rides on without first stopping to check anything strange on the range. Light flickers ahead. Lantern light through small oil paper window. Why, yes, of course. Right where it's been the last eight months. The Henderson place. Man, woman, curly-headed little girl, waist-high boy. Homesteaders. Not even fools. Homesteaders. I mean, worse than that. Bet, bet in the U.S. government... Uh, Bet the U.S. government they can stave off starving for five years in exchange for 160 acres of land. Land that just might support five jackrabbits and two coyotes and, and nine rattlesnakes. And, and maybe, I mean just maybe four lean steer on a whole section. And that's in a good year. Homesteaders. Always out of almost everything. Money and food and tools and smiles and joy of living. Everything except hope and stubborn endurance. Well, stubby nudges the reluctant Roan along. In patch light from small window, he sees a woman. Her face is gray and pinched and tired. An old stocking cap is pulled down over her head. And a ragged man's jacket bumps over long woolsey dress, clogging arms while she's trying to swing an axe into a branch on the ground. That whopping sound again as the blade bounces and almost strikes her ankle. Quit that, Stubby says, swinging the roan in close. He looks down at her. She drops axe and backs away frightened, ready to bolt into two-room shack. And she looks up. She sees him under, under low hat brim, Stubby's crinkled face break into a grin. And she relaxes some, hand on door latch. Ma'am, Stubby says, you trying to cripple yourself? She just stares back at him. Ma'am, that's man's work. Where's your man? Inside, she says, he's sick. Bad, says Stubby. Was, she says. The doctor was here a little while ago and thinks he's going to be all right now. Only he's almighty weak and wobbly and he sleeps most of the time. Sleeps? When there's wood to be chopped? Oh, he's almighty weak and wobbly, she says. He, he tried to get up a little while ago and couldn't even put on his pants. He fell flat on the floor. Stubby looks down at the woman. And you ain't tired, he says. Ain't got time to be tired, she says. Not with all's I got to do. Stubby Pringle. Looks off at last low ridge top that hides schoolhouse and valley. 
reckon I got just a little bit of time, he says. Well, likely it ain't much more than just getting started down there in the valley. He looks back at the woman and sees her shivering in, in ragged man's jacket. Ma'am, you get on inside. You warm your gizzard some and I'll chop you a little bit of firewood. Roan stands with drooping reins, shaking head in disgust. Stopped in the midst of epic run. And for what? For silly chore of chopping wood. Fifteen feet away, stubby Pringle swings axe. Moonlight shines on silver blade. He is stubby Pringle. Moonstruck maverick of the triple X, born with an axe in his hand, weaned on a whetstone and fed on cordwood while raised to fell whole forests. He is ten feet tall and axes enormous, slicing through branches as thick as arms and, and logs as thick as a man's thigh. He lays the axe against a stump and Stubby spreads arms and scoops up whole cords of wood at a time. He strides for the door and he kicks it open. Both corners of that front room now piled high, floor to ceiling, Good wood, stout wood, wood enough for a whole wicked winter's week. Chore done and done right. Stubby looks round him. Fire burns brightly now. Man lies in a big old bed. His eyes closed, his face pale. He's snoring slow and steady. The woman, she's fussing with something on an old cook stove through a doorway. Stubby sees two low bunks in one under a stack of old quilts is curly-headed little girl and the other waist-high boy, both sleeping sound. Cute little devils, Stubby says to himself. Woman, she's coming toward him now. Cup of coffee in hand. Strong, hot, and steaming. Coffee the kind that'll warm throat and gizzard on a cold winter night. And Stubby takes a cup from the woman and he drains it in two gulps. Thank you, ma'am. That's right, kindly of you. But I've got to be getting on my way. And, and so he strides for the door. He stops, hand on door latch. Something's missing in two-room shack. Ma'am, where's your tree? Kids got to have a Christmas tree. He sees her slump down in old rocking chair. I ain't had time to cut one, she says. Well, I reckon not, says Stubby. That's man's work anyway. I'll get one for you, uh, and, and then I'll be getting on my way. Stubby Pringle scoops up axe, 
on his way through crusted drifts of snow to a, a grove of small pines. He is a stubby Pringle. Born an expert on Christmas trees, weaned on whetstone, and fed on shavings. Raised with an eye for size and for shape and for symmetry. Why, he finds the perfect Christmas tree and, and blade is swift and tree topples. He strides back in that warm shack and in no time, in no time, that, that little tree is standing tall right there in the center of that front room floor. There you go, ma'am, Stubby says. Now get out your things and, and start decorating, and I'll be getting on my way. And he reaches for the door. He stops when he hears her sigh behind him. We ain't got no things, she says. I was meaning to buy some. And then the sickness came and took all the money. Stubby Pringle looks out at last low ridge top that hides valley and schoolhouse. I reckon I got just a little bit more time, Stubby says. Why, they'll be whooping it up down there till mighty late. And so he sheds his glove and his hat and he takes off his bandanas and his jacket and he goes right to work. Why, with a little this and a little that, magic wonders start to arrive. He is Stubby Pringle, born into poverty, nursed on nothing, fed on less, raised to make do with the least amount possible and to make the most of that. Why, he, he strings together pinto beans on a long thread and he makes a garland. He cuts up one of those red bandanas and ties it into the prettiest little bows and, and snippets of fleece from the inside lining of his jacket. They are sprinkled on that tree and they glisten like fresh fallen snow in the firelight. Why, it's a miracle. He goes over and he ties on lone bandana left and, and he slips into now skimpy line jacket. All right, pretty little tree, he says to the woman. Now all you got to do is get out the things you got for the kids because I've got to be getting on my way. And he starts for the door. He stops in the open doorway when he hears her sigh behind him. Stubby knows. He knows without even turning around that two big old tears have busted loose and are streaming down that, that woman's face. You get on along, she said. They're good young'uns. They know how it is. They ain't expecting nothing. Stubby Pringle stands in the open doorway and looks out at last low ridgetop that hides valley and schoolhouse. All the more reason, he says to himself, all the more reason there's got to be something there for those kids when they wake up on Christmas morning. 
I'm the dong bonging, ding busted, dang bladded fool. Ma'am, I reckon I got just a little bit more time. Why, they'll be sashaying around that schoolhouse till nearly morning. And with that, Stubby strides out into the cold winter night. He comes back directly. And in one hand, he has a burlap bag wrapped around a paper parcel. In the other, a chunk of good pine wood. He tosses the parcel into the woman's lap. There you go, ma'am, he says. Unwrap it, you'll find the makings of a right cute dress for the little girl. Well, with a little needle and thread, you can whip it out in no time. And me, I'll just sit over here and see what I can whittle out for the boy. Short time later, that little dress is taking shape. It's small, it's flounced, puff sleeves, fine dress. Fancy dress. Dress for smiles and joy of living. The woman, she's just finished sewing a pink ribbon around the collar and she turns it over now and starts a fluffy bow for the back. On a stool nearby sits Stubby Pringle. Chunk of pine wood in one hand and favorite pocket knife in the other. He is... Stubby Pringle, born with a feel for knives, nursed on emery wheel, and fed on shavings, raised to whittle his way through the world. Why, in his skillful hands, that little chunk of wood is turning into something. What is it? What? A horse, of course. <laughs> Flop-eared, eunuch, cat-hipped roan. Iron bone and dynamite fueled. Horse the kind that can carry a, a waist-high boy to the outer edges of eternity and back. Finished, he, he folds knife and he slips it in his pocket. He looks over at the woman. Dress is finished too. Right there in her lap. Only now her head is dropped down. She's slumped in an old rocking chair, and she too is snoring slow and steady. Stubby, he goes over and gently he takes the dress from the woman's lap and he places it under the tree. Fine dress, fancy dress, just waiting for curly-headed little girl to wake up and, and wear it with smiles and joy of living. He takes the little wooden horse and sets it down beside. Just waiting for waist-high boy to, to wake up and, and ride it all the way around the world. Stubby. He goes over, he pulls on his hat and his now skimpy lion jacket. 
And then he pauses. He looks down at the woman. Sleeping in an old rocking chair. And once again he strides out into the cold winter night. Leaving the door open. And he comes back again with a, in his hands a, a burlap bag wrapped around a box of candy. Fancy chocolates with jelly insides. And ever so gently, he places the box in the woman's lap. He goes over to big old bed. And he looks down at snoring man. Ain't right to forget him. Stubby says to himself. And so he reaches in pocket and he pulls out knife. And he lays it on top of covers. Very quietly he goes over and places some more logs on the fire. And he goes over. Stubby gets his gloves. And he blows out the lantern. And swift as the shining moon, he's gone. What is it that hurdles like a hurricane on the upslope of that last low ridge? Busting through snowdrifts and snorting in defiance. Why, it's a flop-eared, unit, cat-hipped roan. Iron bone and dynamite fuel racing full gallop through the dead of night. And firm in saddle sits stubby Pringle, spurs a jingle, out on the prowl and ready to howl. And he's on his way to the, to the schoolhouse in the valley where the dance is taking place. He is ten feet tall, and horses gigantic, soaring to the top of that ridge, and rearing up high and pawing stars from the sky, dropping and ready to leap out and down. Hold it, Stubby. Hold the reins. Do you see what's happening down there in the valley? Those tiny lights that are schoolhouse windows are winking out. Those dark shapes moving around are horsemen riding off and wagons pulling away. What is it that's moving slow and lonesome up snow-covered mountainside? A small cow pony, worn and weary, taking its rider back to a clammy, cold bunk in a cold line cabin. Slumped in saddle, his stubby Pringle, head down and shoulders sagged, 
He is just another of the far scattered, poorly paid, patched clothes, cowhands that inhabit these parts. Just that. And something more. He's the biggest thing there is in the whole wide roster of the human race. A man who has given of himself of what little he has to bring smiles and joy of living to others along his way. He jogs alone, slumped in saddle, thinking of none of this. He is thinking of dances undanced and floorboards unstomped and willing women left unwhirled. He is thinking now of bygone Christmas seasons of a boy born to poverty and to hard work and just making do at Christmas. And suddenly, he hears something. The tinkle of sleigh bells. Sleigh bells? Yes, I am telling it straight. Winds are whipping high overhead and snow falling in flurries. And he can barely see, but he can hear the tinkle of sleigh bells. It's faint, but clear and unmistakable. And suddenly he sees something off to his left. Antlered, heads high, frosty breath streaming, bodies rushing, swift and silent. Reindeer, yes, reindeer, swooping down and, and rising and again and away and strong and, and effortless and, and fleeting and hard on their heels. In swirling snow mist, something big, something bulky with runners like a sleigh. And a flash of white beard whipping in the wind and in the crack of a long whip that's snapping. It startles the roan because he's seen it too. Cowboy and horse stand rigid, heads up, ears cocked. Then jingled with moan of wind comes a long drawn chuckle, jolly full of smiles and joy of living and with long drawn words well done partner that's fun for you because it's always fun for me and I always say that um, that's my second most favorite Christmas story because you know the one that always comes first the one found in the gospels because there would be no other Christmas stories that we would grow to love and, and cherish had it not been for that first Christmas the true story of our Savior's birth 
This year, as I was preparing, one of the lines stuck with me a little differently. It's something always seems to. There's a line in the piece where Stubby describes the Hendersons. Homesteaders. Always out of almost everything. Money and food and tools and smiles and joy of living. They were poorer than the poor. Why even in the story Stubby is described as being born into poverty in a very real sense. That describes us all. Everyone in this room today, everyone in the world that you will or have encountered is born into spiritual poverty. That's the truth. Poor, destitute, separated from God, sinners. In debt up to our spiritual eyeballs. And some of us see it. And some of us just refuse to see it. But it's true of the whole human family. And this is the season of giving. That's what the best Christmas stories seem to come back around to. Is about giving. When you understand what Christ has done. What the Father has done through Christ. It will forever change the meaning of this season for you. Once you know your poverty. Once you recognize your need. There's a phrase we hear over and over again this time of year. What do you want for Christmas? We ask the kids, what do you want Santa to bring you? There's a deeper and a much more urgent question. What do you really need this Christmas? What do you really need this Christmas? Christmas story is a story of incarnation. God taking flesh. 1 John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh. Incarnatio is the Greek. We get the word incarnation from it. The word... The word took flesh and came to live and dwelt among us, tabernacled, pitched his tent alongside of ours. And we beheld his glory. Glory as as of the only begotten of the Father, the monogenes, the Greek monogenes, the one, one with the pure and complete and full genetic code of the Father because he was out of the Trinity. He was the second person of the Trinity. But he was flesh, flesh and blood, living on this planet. And that was the greatest gift that God could give. He gave himself 
That word monogenes comes up again, in, in this time in red letters, when Jesus is speaking, and Jesus is talking to a, a seeker by the name of Nicodemus. You remember him. And Jesus says, for God so loved the world. That's the scope. And there's the motive behind it. He so loved the world. The impoverished family of man in a lost, broken hurting, poor, spiritually poor world that he gave his only, his monogenes, only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him might never perish but have everlasting life. Probably one of the most famous verses right in the Bible And it's true. Verse 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, that's what we needed. We needed a savior, and that's what Jesus' name means. Savior. The simple gospel meets the deepest and greatest need that any of us will ever recognize or know. So you may get what you want for Christmas. But if you don't get what you really need, it's all for loss. What do you really need this Christmas? You see, the greatest gift is God himself, Savior, who comes to live, comes with a mission, which is to die after living a perfect and a sinless life so he could be a sacrifice for us, so that he could be our Savior if we simply put faith and trust in him. So I don't know where you are in your relationship with Christ. What I do know is that's the deepest need of every one of our lives is to know him. And I'll tell you what, when you, what comes with knowing him. Peace, a sense of purpose, a sense of, a sense of and a, a depth of understanding of, of love and a joy. There's so many things that come with him. But without him, it's all meaningless. Will you get what you want this Christmas? Or will you get what you really need? Here's why I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you get what you really need. And that's him. You can welcome him into your heart today. Oh, he, he seems pretty vulnerable and harmless as a child, right? Right? But guys, he's so much more than that. That's how he starts out. In poverty, just like us. Not spiritual poverty, but physical. You know what I'm saying? Financial, you know, poverty. But he is and always was majesty and king and lord. 
And you can welcome him as Savior and Lord into your life today. That's what it's about. And all these other good stories, fictional or whatever, that point to to the gift of giving all point back to the greatest gift. And that's Jesus. Pray with me.